You are listening to the official podcast of Salem Tabernacle in Beacon, New York, a community of people devoted to experiencing life as God meant it to be. Good morning. This is the day the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. How many people are glad to be here today? It is such an honor to to be back here um, with you all. I think I was last here in 2021, I think, or maybe 2022, January 2021 or 2022. And it's good to be back. Would you give it up for your pastors, Pastor Bill and Jacqueline? Would you give it up for them? I honor you. I honor you and who you are and what God has, has done in your life. Thank you so much for having me, and uh, I, just, I just love you all, and I love what God's doing here. Thank you. I really honor you. You can be seated. Be seated. I'm going to uh, I'm gonna kind of go in a slightly different direction here, and I want to go to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through verse 24, and um, your pastor is right. Your pastor is absolutely right. Uh, having been pastoring myself the past few years, uh, whoever speaks into the pastor's life has a direct impact on the congregation. And uh, I'm honored to be able to do that with them and then with you this morning. Uh, Let's see, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. And uh, perfect, 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 perfect. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. You know, I just had an interesting joke because I looked at this font and I said, man, I'm healed. I can, I can see. I don't, I don't need LASIK. I can save my... But I realized that that's a larger size font. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son And you shall uh, give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Father, thank you for this time to come together and, and, and open your word and to hear from you. Holy Spirit, would you speak so clear that, that we know it is you, that every person in this room leaves knowing that they have heard from the living God. Lord, anoint my thoughts. Give me clarity of speech. Move by your power. May hearts be stirred. May lives be changed. Questions answered. May peace be given to your saints today. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I was sitting in my seat and I um, and, uh, was still praying and saying, God, what do you, what do you want me to, 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 to go and to share and to talk about? And uh, last night I was on the phone 
speaking with one of my uh, ministers who's back home, who's preaching in my place today. And I was walking her through some things through the scriptures. We was just talking and sharing. And uh, I, I got up and prayed this morning and was uh, looking at some my notes and then was thinking I was going to go in another direction. But the more I stayed in this room today and the more I kept hearing about Emmanuel, 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 God with us, something on the inside began to stir. And I said, okay, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a little detour and I'm going to go with this. And so this morning, I just want to talk with us on the theme that God is with us. God is with us. God is with us. I think this is a, an important passage of scripture, particularly at this time, because life brings a lot of questions. The psalmist said this. He said that God made his ways known to Moses, but his acts to the children of Israel. He made his ways known to Moses, but his acts to the children of Israel. I always teach and I always say that, that, that you need to know God's ways. And what I mean by his ways, his character, his nature, his heart, because sometimes his acts, his hand, what he allows, what he doesn't stop can confuse you sometimes. And sometimes we judge God's nature by his hand instead of his hand by his nature. That I realize that even when I'm in going through tough situations and tough times, that that doesn't change the character of God. The Bible says that God is love, not that God has love. God is love. There is no on or off switch to his love. He, he, just, he, just, he just loves me. God can't love me any more or any less. And he's never loved you at any more or any less. He is just love. His love. There is no on and off switch to his love. It is a constant source of stability in our lives. So when I experience hardship, his love is not in question. When I experience blessing, his love is not in question. In fact, when I read passages of scripture about judgment in the scripture and things like that, I realize that God's blessings are motivated by his love just as much as his judgment is motivated by his love. There is no on or off switch to his love. And when I look at our world today, I think that this passage of scripture at this point in time can speak to us in a way that is so needed. I think about Galatians that it says that in the fullness of time, God sent for his son. Made of a woman born under the law. When I read the scripture, I think, why did God wait until this moment in history to send Jesus? I could have, I mean, I, I saw four or five other places in the scripture where I'd have sent him right then and there if I was God. I was like, let's just fix stuff real. Let's just get this fixed sooner rather than later. Anybody felt like that? Like, God, like, why you wait so long? Oftentimes, you know, sometimes I tell people, you know, you got to be careful when you, you read and you hear from God. Because most of the time, we, we're pretty good when we know what God says. We read the scripture or we hear from God. We know what he says. But where we miss it is when we don't, we, we don't always understand what he means. Because meanings are not in things, they're in people. So when he says, behold, I come quickly, over 2,000 years ago, he meant something totally different than my definition that I had for behold, I come quickly. 
And I've had to use that in my life oftentimes when I hear from God, Lord, what? I, I know what you said, but please tell me what you mean. Most of the time, I can only understand God in retrospect. I can only understand God as I go and as I turn around and look, I'll say, oh, this is what you meant. And as I keep going, I'll say, and you meant this too. And you meant this too. We know what God says. We don't always understand what God means. We don't always understand God's timing. But what I want you to know that everything about God is good. God, every decision that he makes is for our good, that God, he knows everything. God knows when, he knows where, he knows how, he knows why. God knows everything. Nothing ever occurs to God. Nothing ever occurs to God. I was just telling someone this week, do you realize that your problems didn't just, didn't just jump on God's radar and God said, ooh, I didn't see that one coming. I didn't know what I was going to do. Nothing about you ever occurs to God. God is in perfect acquisition of all the facts. And he, per- he, 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 he perfectly interprets the facts of your life. Some people will see you do something and they will ascribe a meaning to it that isn't true, that isn't accurate. You walked by me in church and you didn't speak to me. You must be offended. No, I needed to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Sometimes we see people's acts. We saw what they did. We don't know why they did it. God knows the what and God knows the why. And so if, I'm got, if I got to be judged by anybody, I want to be like David. I'd rather fall into the hands of God who understands the what and the why than people who only will see the what. God knows everything. God knows when. God knows where. God knows how. God knows why. Why would you send Jesus into the world at this time? Why during the Roman Empire? Why not during the Medes and the Persians? Why not during the Egyptians? Why not during the Babylonians? Because the Roman Empire, now the gospel can freely move throughout the entire world. There are some contributions that Rome would give, the Greco-Roman culture, that no other culture would give. Egyptians had an idea, Babylonians had an idea of local deities. Platonism introduces the idea of a universal God. Plato believed in a a God. It was unthinkable for the Greco-Roman culture to, to think that there was atheists. That's unthinkable. That's unthinkable. They had many, many different gods. They believed in the universal God. For the first time, this idea of a universal God is apparent, is here. This was Plato's contribution. But Plato believed that the universal God would have nothing to do with the world. The universal God would have nothing to do with the matter. He did not create the world. The demiurges from him would create the world. He's a distant God. He had nothing to do with humans. The Stoics believed that he wouldn't have emotion. It is unthinkable to the stoic mind that God has emotion. But the scripture says, for God so loved, loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And now at the right time, God can send his son and and declare to the world that not a local deity, no, 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 not just the deity of this group or that group, but the God of the universe is entering into the world. 
The Greeks provided language by which we could talk about and understand things about God that no other culture would provide for us. And the Jews provided the promise of the Messiah. And so it's the convergence of these three cultures that create in part the fullness of time. But I think when we look closer at this text that there is something that we can learn about Emmanuel from this text that speaks to us today. Is that all right? Is that all right? Okay. I want to watch my time here. He said there was a clock. I want to, I want to watch the time here. You may not want to tell me that. You may not want to tell me that. Emmanuel, I think about the world in which Jesus came. He came into a world where there was, it was filled with inequality. God enters into a world where women and children were the least of these. Immigrants and foreigners were the least of these. He comes into a world where there was high taxation. Anybody know about living in a world like that? <laughs> he comes into a world where there's an exploitation of the poor. He comes into the world where there is a leader such as Herod on the throne. I remember being in, being in, being in, in Israel, being in Judea, and seeing all of the buildings that Herod, that Herod built. To seeing these huge buildings and going around these public buildings and theaters and these palaces and other public works, the aqueducts, the fortresses, all that he built, all so that he could appear to be some great leader. Some of them are still seen today. But socially, he was hated and despised by his people, but they couldn't stop him. How did he pay for these buildings? Through high taxation of the poor. Herod had been known as one who really didn't take seriously the worship of God. He was jealous. He was a ruthless leader. He would murder members of his own family who were conspiring against him. He pushed his way to the top. And of course, Jesus comes on the scene and he is declared to be the, the, the king of the Jews. And this doesn't sit well with Herod. Herod makes a decree and they're killing infants and babies. Jesus is coming into the world. He has a jealous rage. One, 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 one scholar said it like this. Uh, for that Herod was, it was ill-natured and severe in his punishment. He had no mercy on the, on the people. And he hated everyone perceived that he was more friendly to the Greeks than to the Jews. He hated the Jews. He had, was a ruthless warrior. The Jews are living under oppression. Now, if there is any book of the Bible that can speak to oppressed people, uh, any book in the world that can speak to oppressed people, it is the Bible. Every book of the Bible was written under oppression except for a brief reign under the period of King David. Every book. You pick the book and I can tell you the empire. Under oppression. And so the Jews are under Roman oppression. And Jesus enters into this ugly messy scene why would God show up at a time like this why and how could you sing joy to the world 
How and why would God choose to show up to reveal himself to humanity? Why would he do it at this moment in time? I think there is something that God will speak to us today from this passage. He comes under the rulership of a leader who is thirsty for power, who's corrupt, who's a narcissist. And when we read these passages of Scripture, I think there are three things really that we can see. The first thing is this. Our mess doesn't intimidate God. Our mess doesn't intimidate God. Think about how messy it was. And it didn't intimidate God from getting involved. Because when he came, I know there was violence, but he brought more grace than violence. And when he came, I know there was pain, but he brought more joy than pain. What am I trying to say? That regardless of the the, the messiness of our lives, of our society, God is not intimidated to get involved. That God will be present even in the messiness of your life. People are wondering, oh my God, look at the world. How could God let this happen? Look at the world in which his son entered into. He's trying to tell you, I am not intimidated by your problems. You don't have to hide them. I want to enter into them. I want to, oh, that's a good place to give him a praise right there. Do you feel that your situation is too much for God? Anna, the prophetess, just kept praying, kept believing that, that, that the promise was going to be fulfilled. I want to tell you this morning, don't stop praying. I know, I know it looks messy and it don't look like he's coming, but don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Perhaps you feel that everything's got to be together before God comes, before you can fully commit to God. No, no, no. I'm here to tell you today that you can, you can truly come as you are with everything that you have. It doesn't intimidate God. Your habits, your tendencies, your struggles, our world, like, oh, our world is so chaotic. We're so torn. We're, the society is so divided. Yes, and we can still say, come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. He's not intimidated by what's going on right now. He is not intimidated by what's going on right now. If you got a problem, Jesus is the answer. Very simple. If you've got a problem, Jesus is the answer. God is not intimidated by the mess in our lives. And if we'd be honest... We all got a little something in our lives. We may not be as messy as we used to be, but we still got something that we need the Lord to help to work out in our lives, in our world. He is not intimidated by our problems. Second thing that I want you to see and to understand is really this. He is equally with us in the beautiful seasons of our life as he is in the dark and messy seasons of our life. Oh, let me give you Bible. In the beginning, the Bible says that God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. In the beautiful garden, he is there. Matthew tells us that in the darkness of life, 
and the worst kind of situations that Emmanuel is with us. He is with you in the beautiful seasons of your life and, and, and equally as much in the dark seasons of your life. Sometimes we only can rejoice when we think he's in the beautiful times of our life. But we have a reason to rejoice when he's because he's with us in the dark seasons of our life. There were seasons in my life, in the dark seasons of my life, that I learned something about God that I didn't learn in any other season of my life. I learned that he's Emmanuel, that sometimes he won't take you out of the situation. Sometimes he'll sit on the edge of your bed and wipe your tears at night and tell you we're going to make it day by day. Sometimes he doesn't take us out. He doesn't change the situation. The, 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 the reality is the situation doesn't change, but he is with us and his presence changes everything for us. I'd rather have his presence than anything else. I'd rather have his presence than anything else. His presence changes everything, people. Sometimes when I come to church, Lord, I just, I just need to feel your presence. I just need to know you're with me. If, you just, if you're just with me, if, if I know you're with me, I can go back out to the world. He's with us. He, he's Emmanuel. He sits with us in the pain. He sits with, with us in our problems. He sits with us in the hardships. He sits with us in our grief. He sits with us in the pain. For so many people, they've got it twisted. He is not a genie in a bottle. He's not a vending machine. If I put in enough praise and I quote two scriptures and I pull the right button, the blessing will come out. He's God. He'll do whatever he wants. He does what pleases him. And sometimes God takes us through. He doesn't bring us out. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you're with me. His presence changes everything. Would you just tell the person next to you his presence changes, changes everything? Whether you feel him or you don't, he is there. Whether you feel him or you don't, he is there. He is with us. Sometimes I had to remind myself day by day, minute by minute, I'm going to make it because the Lord is with me. Sometimes it's, it's literally second by second that he's with me. Because you're with me, I will not fear. And, and what changes everything, that's why I love that song today that said, we are standing on holy ground. And I know that there are angels all around. It's not holy because I'm there. It's holy because he is there. And he'll get right in that messy situation. He'll get in that heartache. He'll get in that pain. He'll get in that breakup. And he'll turn that into a holy ground because he is there. And because he's there, that changes everything. Hope is there. Peace is there. Love is there. His love interrupted human history for us. His love is there. He is very present. The last thing. Oh, that's a good place to tell him that. Tell him, tell him that I love you. Lord, I love you. Not only is he present, he's active. I'm a professor as well as being a pastor. And there's nothing that really, let me use a safe word, grinds my gears 
than my students who come to class and drop their body off. They come to class and drop their body off. They are present, but they're not there. God isn't just present. He is there. He is Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. Do you all know that God is still redeeming? He, he, he's, still, he's still moving. He's still active. He is still redeeming souls. He's still redeeming families. He's still redeeming societies. He's still redeeming dreams. He's still redeeming visions. He's still redeeming health. He is still with us. Jesus said, my father is always working. He's, re- he's moving redemptively still to this day. He's moving sovereignly. He's moving judicially. He is with us. He is still healing hearts. He's, he's, he's still mending hearts today. I was watching during worship, and I just saw this little uh, young girl there down on her knees, and she was just, just before God, and I just said, Lord, that's what it's all about. That's, that's, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about, hearts coming to you and to see the young and the old come together and to see the next generation bowing their knee before you. And, and for whatever reason, she was on the altar. It doesn't, it doesn't matter because when I was a kid, I, got, I went to the altar because I had just gotten in trouble. And I, I, I'm telling the truth. And I figured there's only one way to avoid this spanking. If I go to that altar and I say, Jesus touched my heart. But for whatever reason it was, I looked in there, there was such a pureness. God, he's still moving in our hearts. He is still redeeming. He's still redeeming. He's moving sovereignly. He's present with us today. Every part of your life that is closed off to him today I ask you to allow him to be Emmanuel right in that part. Paul makes this really interesting prayer in Ephesians chapter 3. He prays that Christ would finally settle in our hearts. And when I read that passage of Scripture, it's really weird to me because I've already given my heart to Jesus, Paul. What do you mean? And when I went and studied the word a little Further, in the original language, it means that Christ would finally be at home in your heart. It's sort of like when you invite somebody over to your house and you say to them, make yourself at home. Now, you only mean make yourself at home so much. (laughs) You only mean that. Because if you tell them to make themselves at home and they start moving out furniture, yeah, I don't like that. Let's get this out of here. Let's get that out. And let's, all oh, these ugly drapes. What are you thinking? Let's, let's get, you know, we, we would get a, little, get a little offended. Paul says that for Jesus to finally settle down in your heart, that he makes himself at home, that he is Emmanuel in your heart. When people come to your house, there are some rooms that are off limits to certain people. Are there certain rooms of our hearts that we have made off limits to Jesus? The, 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 the rooms of our heart that we feel are too ugly and, 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 it's, and, and it's gone on too long and you don't know I'm, I'm so deeply entrenched in this or, or, or the trauma that I'm holding on to because I'm, 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 I'm making my trauma my identity and, and you want to heal me. But no, 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 don't touch that because that, that's all I know. 
He says, let Emmanuel in there and let him finally feel at home. Let him look up under the bed of your heart. Let him look between the, let him look between the sofa seats. May he finally feel at home in your heart. Finally settle down. Finally settle down. You can say, Lord, if you, if you truly want my heart, you got it. If you want my heart, you got it. There's no room that's off limits. Nothing is off limits. Finally settle down. You've absolutely given him your heart. But have, have you given him full access to every area of your life? You can be Lord of my heart, but you're not Lord of my wallet. Oh, you know you got a pastor too here, so that's what's coming out. You can be Lord of my heart, but you're not Lord of my wallet. Yeah, I didn't think I'd get a, that many amens there. You can be Lord of my heart, but not Lord of my dating life. You can be Lord of my heart, but there are certain areas that are off limits to him. He wants to be Emmanuel in every area of your life. He wants to be Emmanuel, not my homeboy who's with us. He wants to be Emmanuel, not the president who's with us that you're going to vote in and out every four years. He wants to be Emmanuel, not even the pastor that, that you might like or you might not like. He is God with us. He is God with us. And can I tell you something? God don't make suggestions. God don't make suggestions. God gives commands. Sometimes we got it mixed up when we think about who we're talking about. I've learned there's some prayers I pray and I say, Lord, if it's okay with you, I'd like to do X, Y, and Z. Because I realize he's God. He's with me and whatever decision, whatever answer he gives me, even his no's are for my good. Even his no's are for my good because there is no on and off switch to his nature. His no's are motivated by love just as much as his yes is motivated by love. He is God with us. And on the cross, he became God for us. The day of Pentecost, he became God in us. And the Bible says that when the day of Pentecost, that the Holy Spirit sat on each one of them. He is still with us. My prayer is that you would just sit on us. That you, would, that you would hover over us like you did the waters in Genesis 1. And you brought beauty out of darkness. There it is again. Beauty out of darkness. That You're not intimidated to get into the darkness. You're not intimidated to get into the hardship of our lives. You're not intimidated to get into the pain of our lives and the pain of our society, and you are still being born again and again and again in this world because now Christ is in us the hope of glory, and he's sending us into the darkness. He's sending us into the world. He's sending us into the same world where there's inequality, where there's pain. We are the answers. We are the answer because the answer is on the inside of you. The world want to see Jesus, and he's living inside of you. We are 
that moment 2,000 years ago, Jesus entered into the world. Today, he's doing it through us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And wherever we go, that song can truly be said. We're standing on holy ground because Emmanuel is with us. And his presence changes everything. Would you stand with me? I want to pray. I think my time is right. I tell our worship team, where is the musician? Yes, you can come. Thank you, Lord. I tell our worship team, they have one job, one job, the worship leader. Not to excite us, not even to tell us to lift our hands. They may encourage us to do it. Not even to tell us to sing. They have one job. I say your job is to increase our awareness of his nearness. One job. To increase our awareness of his nearness. That he is with us. How you respond, how the audience respond, that's on them. Because to as many as received him, he was right there. To them gave he the power to become something they could not become on their own. They could only become it through him. How we respond to Emmanuel, that's on you. My job was to increase your awareness of his nearness. To the person that doesn't know Jesus, he's the one that will leave the 99 and go after the one. He's, he's right there. He'll show up at the office. He'll show up, he'll show up in, in places where we think God wouldn't show up. He'll show up in a strip club. He'll show up at the bar. He'll show up in all of those places. I know people, they were in, said they were in a strip club and the conviction just fell all over them. Where can I go to flee your presence? Those of us that know the Lord, he's near to you. He's with you. But he wants to be in the areas of your life that you have closed off to him. The world needs you, church. The world needs us. The world needs us. This is not escapism where we're just looking for Jesus to come so we can get out of here. How about we bring a little heaven on earth for somebody else? If I told you that God was in this room right now, how would you respond? All eight of y'all, thank you. It's interesting because sometimes I see places and I watch television shows and I watch when celebrities walk in a room. And I watch when politicians walk in a room. 
and I watch how people respond. But brothers and sisters, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is in this room right now. He's in this room right now. He's in this room right now. He's in this room right now. Come on, you can, you can offer a praise right now. You can respond to him. Respond to him. Respond to him. Respond to him. Come on, respond to him. Respond to him. Thank you, Lord. Respond to him right now. Respond to him right now. Thank you, Lord. Respond to him right now. I don't know. Can I have five minutes? Is that good? That's five minutes. Thank you, Lord. What key is that? B. Can you go to D flat? Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I know the Lord is touching and healing hearts. Thank you, Lord. Would you just lift your hands towards heaven right now? Thank you, Lord. And just whisper something to him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We are standing on holy ground. I don't care what's going on in your marriage. I care, but I want you to know that God is right there. And I know that there are angels all So let us praise. We don't have to deny the ugliness. We're just confirming the reality that he's here. That's why we praise God. Whoa, because we are, we are standing in his presence on holy ground. If there's somebody in this room and you know you got a, a challenge, a darkness, a difficult situation in your life, and you know the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, if you just move forward to the altar, I just want to pray for us. There are areas of your life that you have left closed off, relegated to God. You've, 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 you can be Emmanuel, but I want to compartmentalize you. But today you want to take off all the limits. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, And I know that there are angels all around. I know there are a lot of other things that's here, but I know that there are angels that's here. Let us praise, praise Jesus, Jesus now. Oh, for we are standing in His presence. We are standing. We are standing in His presence. 
We are standing. The enemy thought you'd be on your back. He thought you'd quit, but look at you. You're standing in his presence. His spirit is what's lifting you up. His spirit is sustaining you. That's why we're here today. Because his presence changes everything. We're standing in his presence on holy ground. Thanks for listening to the Salem Tabernacle podcast. For more information about us, including gathering times and our location, check us out online at salemtabernacle.com.